Welcome to the Thinking Christian Podcast, your weekly guide to solid Christian thinking on culture, science, faith, and Christian confidence, hosted by Tom Gilson. Hello, I'm Tom Gilson, here with Episode 3 of Season 2 of the Thinking Christian Podcast, the season in which I'm concentrating on exploring how we can transform the heat of cultural conflict to the light of spiritual transformation. This is the heat to light season of the Thinking Christian Podcast. And here today in in episode three, I'm going to be taking a very high level, big picture, kind of a helicopter view, maybe even a U-2 reconnaissance plane view of the causes of the conflict in our culture these days. We weren't always like this. Of course, American culture has always been divided in many ways. Racial divisions, for sure, especially slavery, leading to a horrible civil war and different politics and so on. But something seems different now. And cultural conflict doesn't just come out of nowhere. Ours has been building for a while. The intensity of it now comes out of growing diversity in Westerners' worldviews and in our way of seeing reality. You see, for much of European history, most people shared a more or less common worldview. And the same has been true, especially for Americans of European descent and influence. Uh, People who were either from Europe in their descent or whose lives were largely influenced by that European descent. And because that One dominant worldview was so strongly powerful, it was also unifying. We got along as well as we did, certainly better than we seem to be now, at least. We got along because we agreed on the basics. And I'm speaking, of course, of Judeo-Christian theism, which, as everyone knows, no longer holds that same central position in Western culture. Rising up powerfully against it in this century especially have been the strongly competing worldviews, scientific materialism, and Marxist-slash-postmodern critical theory. I could include a couple of others, but although they exist and have representatives in our culture, they're not the focus of so much conflict. So, I'll stick with those two for now, and I have to keep this down to length anyway. Scientific materialism and Marxist slash postmodern critical theory. In this podcast, I'm going to compare them to Christian theism and do so from a very high altitude, as I've already said, by examining their answers to several of the most basic questions every person must answer regarding life and reality on this earth. Now, this isn't the time for me to define either scientific materialism or critical theory in any depth. That'll come later in this season. I'll stick for now with simplified versions. First, scientific materialism, which is neither scientific nor materialist in the way those words are often commonly used. That is, it's not materialism in the form of you know stocking up material goods in this world. And it's not scientific, as in using the scientific method. Rather, it's the belief that reality consists in nothing but matter and energy, material stuff, that is, interacting according to natural law. And it's the sorts of things that science can study, at least in principle, and that's what makes it, quote, scientific. It denies God, angels, the human soul, and all spiritual reality, really, and 
It's the most common form of atheism in Western culture. It also, by the way, goes commonly by the nearly synonymous name of naturalism, taken from the idea that everything that is is nature and there is no supernature. That's a really quick overview of the meaning of scientific materialism. The second competing worldview is critical theory, which uh, in future episodes I'll talk about the Marxist and postmodern roots of it. It's really considerably more complicated. It's newer, it's more unfamiliar to most of us. It's the worldview that's driving the LGBTQIA, etc. movement and Black Lives Matter, along with other prominent race-based conversations, and it's connected with other movements, although those are the main ones. It's a totalizing view of human interactions that holds that the main issue of interest between persons is their power relationships, in particular that, quote, cisgender, heterosexual, white, male culture has held so much power for so long, the effect has been oppressive to members of any other identity group. Now, those are definitions. Now, I'm going to launch into a comparison, and I have an accompanying blog post with this that puts us all in a table. So you can look at it if you want to after the fact and see it laid out for you in tabular form. This is going to be necessarily oversimplified. My purpose here isn't to provide a fully accurate description, but to illustrate the magnitude of the distance separating each worldview from every other. And it's all going to lead in the end to an important question and a very crucial observation I'm going to have for you with an unusual sort of takeaway that I'm going to suggest for you. But this is a good point in the podcast to mention a giveaway that I have for you. I've written a book called Too Good to be False, How Jesus' Incomparable Character Reveals His Reality. And knowledgeable observers have said that it's surprising how much new that they've learned about Jesus through it. And I'm going to give you the opportunity to download a free preview chapter of the book, chapter 2, which is titled Jesus' Astonishing Love. And you can get that just by going to my blog at thinkingchristian.net and looking in the sidebar for where you can sign up for Thinking Christian podcast and blog updates. And if you do that, you will also get a free preview chapter of Too Good to Be False. So do that. Go to thinkingchristian.net and check it out. So back to the table of the worldviews. This is going to be oversimplified. I've already said that. There's going to be an important takeaway at the end. I'm going to be narrowing down from Judeo-Christian theism to just talking about historic Orthodox Christian theism. So don't be surprised if I concentrate on that one group. I'm going to ask several questions and give the answers as, in general terms, these different worldviews would answer those questions. Ready? Okay, the first question is this. What is the basic nature of reality? Christian theism says that reality centers in God, the eternal, holy, loving, triune creator, and that the visible world is God's creation. God spoke it into existence by his will and for his glory. Scientific materialism answers by saying nothing exists but matter and energy interacting according to natural law. And critical theory, most of its adherents would agree with materialists on that if they've given it any thought, although some would say there is a God. 
But as I've looked at what they write, the God in whom they believe is malleable, he or it or whatever, looks a lot like someone who's there to go along with everything they believe. I can justify that in a later podcast, I promise. That was the first question. Second question, where did humans come from? Where did humans come from? Christian theism says that we are the special creation of God, created in his image to be loved by him and to give honor to his glory. Scientific materialism says that humans evolved from prior organisms, not lower organisms. Evolution actually doesn't know anything about higher or lower. That's, that's something you need to understand about evolutionary theory. No, we evolved from prior organisms by unguided, essentially random genetic variation, which was selected out by natural selection. Critical theorists answer this question about where humans came from by saying, well, they would either agree with materialists in general about evolution, or maybe they have a vague kind of a God was their viewpoint. But honestly, functionally, as I read their writings, it's, it's almost as though for them nothing actually happened until, uh, until 1619, when for the first time English settlers brought African slaves to Jamestown in America, and not much matters before that. Yeah, they know that humans came from somewhere before that, but you don't hear them talking about it much. So that's the second question. Third question is this, what does it mean to be human? Christian theism says that Well, because we are in God's image, every human is an individual of inestimable worth. We have moral freedom, intellect, and will, although all of that is constrained by sin. We are unique individuals intended to live in loving community with one another. What do scientific materialists say about what it means to be human? They say we're strictly material entities without souls. For many in this camp, What they would say is that we are essentially meat machines, that free will is an illusion, that our experience of moral purpose and even individual identity is all illusion. It's been planted in us by evolution because because having that illusion led to some kind of reproductive advantage among our ancestors. But it's not real. It's just there as a sensation because it helps us to reproduce. And then what do critical theorists say in answer to the question of what it means to be human? Well, they'll say, perhaps somewhat in line with what the, uh, what the scientific materialists will say, but they'll camp on the idea that person's nature and identity derive from the groups to which they belong. Ethnic groups, straight or gay orientation group membership, their sex, their gender identity, their age, and so on. So each person is the product of group memberships. And when you hear talk of identity politics, the whole identity thing is crucial to critical theory. Very much tied up, not in your individual choices, desires, skills, ambitions, and so on. It's really tied up in your group membership. Next question, what is the basic human problem? Christian theists will say in one simple word, sin. Sin, is it, it's defined as attitudes and or actions, active or passive, that reflect and reinforce and live out our alienation and even rebellion towards a holy God. Scientific materialists will, will say that the basic human problem is that we're not fully evolved yet, we're, or, or we're not fully educated, or we're not enculturated properly enough to get along, 
And look, we're all going to die and be gone forever anyway. That's a problem. Critical theorists will say the basic human problem is racism and sexism and heteronormativity and, quote, cisnormativity and other forms of oppression imposed by dominant culture on marginalized group. That's the basic human problem in your viewpoint. Next question. By what means is the basic human problem solved? What's the solution? What's the answer? Christian theism says that God has initiated the solution to our problem through Christ's death on the cross. Those who have faith in Christ receive forgiveness, the filling of the Holy Spirit to enable more godly living, and ultimately we receive eternal life. And mutual love and forgiveness can and should ease many of our interpersonal problems, although not in any final way until Christ's return. And in the end, he will make everything right through his justice. The scientific materialists will say that the solution to the basic human problem is more evolution, or better education, or better cultural conditioning, or something like that. And then, you know, we die and it's all over anyway. Critical theorists would answer the question of the basic human problem by saying that whites have to become anti-racist, although they can't, so there's not much hope there. Similarly, for male, straight, and, quote, cisgender categories. And members of oppressed groups need to throw off all oppression, although there's not much hope of that either. So we just muddle along the, um, the oppressors being under a yoke of shame and the oppressed being essentially innocent. Uh, so they don't have much to solve, really, other than all that oppression. Got a couple more questions for us to look at here now. And the next one is, what is truth? And how do we access it? What is truth and how do we know it, learn it, access it? Christian theism says that truth is the expression of the way things are, above all, as existing and personified in God who reveals it through his word and through the consistent and rational nature of the world that he created. So we learn truth both through revelation and experience with revelation having authority. The scientific materialist would answer the question about truth and access to it by saying that truth is the way the world is from a scientific perspective, and if you think there's anything to reality other than that, you're wrong. That's just it. And, and science is how we learn it. The critical theorist would answer the question of truth by saying that truth is a power game. The powerful use language and other means to impose and enforce their, quote, truths on others, and that we would be a lot better off if we would understand that everyone, all persons have access to truth, and, and that the truth isn't always what the oppressive class says it is, and there's special truth in marginalized persons' lived experience, that that really is a, a special way of accessing truth. And then finally, the last question, where is everything headed in the end. Where are we going from here? Christian theism says that we're heading towards an eternal state in which those who have entered a living relationship with God through faith will live in eternal glory, and those who haven't will suffer lasting judgment for their rebellion against God. Scientific materialism just says we're all going to die. That's it. That's it. It's over. Ultimately, 
the whole universe is going to die as well in the heat death of maximum universal entropy. And then it's all over. It's over, over, over. Critical theorists, their answer to where is everything heading in the end? It's kind of a who knows, probably what materialists say, unless there's a God in which we're all going to heaven with them. But, but, but why worry about that when there's all this oppression? Now, that's the end of my list of questions, my list of answers. Again, it's better presented in tabular form. You can go to the Thinking Christian blog and find it there. The link to that will be in the program notes, so you can look at it there. But, okay, what's the point? What do we do with this? Is it just a list of differences? Yeah, it's a list. And I know someone's going to tell me that it's oversimplified. They're going to say I got their group wrong or I left out some subgroups within these groups. Don't worry. I know that already. But I also know that, that this comes close enough to take us to a very important question, which is this. What's it going to take for people in any of these groups to understand people in one of the other groups. Now, I'm going to speak of this in missiological terms, because I'm speaking mostly to Christians here, I know. Missiological means that I'm speaking in terms of Christian witness. We want people to understand that Christ is their Savior from sin. But in order to get there, they have to understand what sin means. And to get there, they have to know what the word God means and the word holy. And they have to understand God, not only as their creator, but as the one who's genuinely in charge. So he really does have the right and the authority and the position to define what's good and what isn't. And if we tell these people in these other groups that this is the truth, well, you know, they're going to have to reorient their whole understanding of what the word truth means. If they see themselves as members of an oppressed group, they're going to want to know what God is doing to bring them justice. Do you see how much has to happen in order for someone to take that step of recognizing Christ as their Savior? They've, each one of these worldviews is a package deal, and, and you have to take them as a package. You can't just take a little of one and insert it into another and make it work there. You have to take on the whole package. Similarly, if you don't take time to understand another person fully, the package deal, you're probably not going to understand them at all. Understanding worldview basics like these can give you kind of a decent head start, but we are so different in package kinds of ways, whole worldview kinds of ways. And they're not going to understand us either. If we think they're nuts for believing what they believe. Don't worry, they think we're nuts too. And a lot of that has to do with trying to take pieces of our worldview and fit those pieces into theirs. So, for example, we tell them we believe Christ rose from the dead. Materialists, well, they know he couldn't. He couldn't have risen from the dead because no one can rise from the dead. And how do they know that? Well, well, because they know that reality is nothing but matter and energy and natural law. Natural law doesn't allow for resurrections. So therefore, Jesus didn't rise from the dead. But that's a case of trying to stick a resurrection by the power of God into a worldview that doesn't have God. Of course it doesn't fit. We could ask, which one of these worldviews is the most sensible? Which one's the best? And 
You know, you're not going to get to the right answer by judging everyone else's worldview by how well it fits into your own. Their worldview can't fit yours. By definition, it can't. The right worldview would look wrong from the perspective of all other worldviews because these really are all-or-nothing package deals. You can't fit bits of one into the other. You have to take them as a whole. So the only way you're going to know which worldview is right, in my considered opinion, is you're going to have to find one that fits itself. It's consistent within itself. It explains reality, including human experience, without contradicting itself. And I am convinced, after very, very much study, that Christian theism fits that bill. Christianity, I think, is the right worldview because... Again, it, it's not going to fit the other ones. Of course it isn't. It's not meant to. But it fits itself, and it fits reality as we experience it. It fits what we know of history. It, it fits everything. So I'm satisfied that Christianity is true, but that's not why I'm telling you this here. I'm, I'm telling it because I want to help us to see the kind of trouble that we're in. We're, we're facing a whole lot of trouble. We're talking about overcoming the heat with light. And what I want us to see and to hear and to experience is a sense of the distance that exists between us. There's a lot separating us. There's a lot to... to, We're not going to understand one another, much less agree with one another. We're not going to appreciate one another. We're not going to take each other seriously unless we can take seriously the fact that we are all human beings in this together, yet with vastly different perspectives on reality. So if you're looking for a takeaway, you should be because I promised you there would be one. And here it is. Think about this. Reflect on it. Consider what it means, uh, these differences between us. Consider what it all means for your interactions with people who see reality differently than you do. Just think about it. Yes, I I have more specific kinds of takeaways that I'm, I'm going to be suggesting in days to come, but there's a reason I'm not rushing there yet. There's a reason. And it isn't just that I've said plenty here for one podcast. It's because there's value for you in taking time to reflect on these things. Don't rush it. Give it some thought. By God's grace, I'll be back with more in a week or so, but this is going to be a journey. And I've given you kind of a map of the obstacles we're going to face. Later on, we'll talk about ways to cross over them. I'm almost to the end here now. A couple things. I I do want to say for those who have wondered whether I'm going to you know keep up my plans for a weekly podcast here, yeah, I am. Last week, I was away helping my daughter with an unexpectedly complicated move to a new home. And We do have another family emergency moving forward in slow motion right now. It's my 97-year-old dad's quickly declining health. I do plan to be back next week if life circumstances allow it. Until then, I do want to encourage you to go to thinkingchristian.net and look for that 
for that link to subscribe and to download a free chapter, a free preview chapter from Too Good to Be False. Sign up, you'll get updates on Thinking Christian podcasts and blog posts, and we can be in touch that way. You won't miss a thing. Let me encourage you, too, to tell your friends. Pass this along to your friends. If this has been helpful to you, has made sense to you, help you make sense of the conflict that we're facing into, if it's even given you something new to think about, tell your friends. Tell them about the podcast. Tell them about the blog post that goes with it and let them know. Uh, Follow it on your podcast app of choice or subscribe, whichever word they use on your podcast app these days. Uh, Follow it or subscribe and give it a five-star rating. It helps an awful lot. That's it for today for the Thinking Christian Podcast. I'm Tom Gilson. Think about these things, and I'll be back soon. Thanks for listening. Thinking Christian Podcast is copyright by Thomas Gilson. For more information, visit the Thinking Christian blog at thinkingchristian.net.